Welcome to the Writing Block Podcast, where we talk all things writing and indie publishing. Today's episode is all about managing the dreaded rewrites and features the incredible author, Lainey Wild. Your hosts are founding members, Becca Spence-Tobias and Christopher Lee. For more information, visit writingblock.com. That's writingblocknok.com. Thank you for listening, and thank you for all of your support. I'm Becca Spence-Tobias. I am the project manager for Writing Block and the author of Rock of Ages, whose title is probably changing really soon. And we are so excited to have my friend Lainey Wild here with us today. Lainey is the author of the After 12 series, as well as a standalone book called Never Touched. And she has a really exciting, well, I think it's exciting, an interesting perspective on rewrites. So we're really happy to have her here to share her perspective. Thank um, you. Lainey, do you want to tell us? Sure. Maybe just give us a little background about your experience uh, rewriting your books. Um, yeah. So I don't usually spend a lot of time rewriting, except for this last book that I did that's coming out. It's been, there were like four different completely different versions of it. Usually, I, I mean, I enjoy rewriting because I, I think it's easier than starting with a blank slate. But um, yeah, I don't think I'm as thorough as most people, which is pretty lazy of me. <laughs> well, uh, so like, what do you what do you mean by not as thorough? Let's dive into that a little bit more. Because I think like, you know, everybody's perspective is, is relatively different when it comes to, you know, what would be a thorough rewrite versus a uh, uh, a not so thorough rewrite. So tell us a little bit about the structure, the you know, the bones of how you rewrite maybe your process. Yeah, I really think it depends on the project. So with my debut novel, Never Touched, I wrote most of a book and then completely scrapped it and started over. And then when I rewrote that version, it was just mostly a reordering of the story and like adding a couple scenes. So that ended up being like two different books from the one I started with that the one I ended up with. But I usually like have to get a book done within four months. If I don't, then I lose my mind, which is not how I did it with this last book I did. I started it when I was 14 and then wrote a version of it and then scrapped it, and wrote another one like six months later, then scrapped it and wrote another one like a year later. And now that one's coming out. So I think it depends because like with the After 12 series, I didn't have to rewrite hardly any of the first book. It was just like I just blitzed through it and wrote it and it just like came out. That, I mean, that's that's interesting. You know, uh, my own personal perspective on it is is that, you know, you you have one of two choices. You know, you're scrapping the whole thing and you're starting out, you know, brand new blank page. Right. With the you know, same general idea, maybe in your head or you're trying to like track down you know, the bones of what were, were maybe good out of the first draft or, or the first uh, manuscript and, and trying to develop from there. And so th that's, a, that's a really interesting perspective. Uh, how about you, Becca? So I guess mine was actually a little different because it wasn't really either, it wasn't one of those two options. It wasn't like, I'm going to totally start fresh with the idea or I'm just going to like find the bones. It was like, I'm going to learn a lot about writing and I'm going to read a lot of comps and then I'm going to like read each chapter and like write it again. Mm -hmm. So I guess it actually depends on which rewrite. I've done three rewrites of this book so far, and that's not counting um, all of the drafts that I got before I even showed it to anybody, but three like total 
like starting, starting again, rewrites. And the first one, I actually had to restructure the whole thing. So that one was like totally blank document. Um, but the ones where they've been a little bit less intense and I've just been trying to really improve on my craft. That's what I do there. I'm like reading, it's reading, reading, reading. It's almost more reading than it is writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then letting that really soak in, taking it a section at a time, seeing what I have, then closing that and, and trying to do it again, but better. Yeah. You know, I actually, Becca, I totally agree with that because I did, I, I felt like between the first right of Never Touch and the second, I spent some time reading books in the similar genre. And then I also read some craft books. And I felt like kind of what you're saying, how sometimes it's more about working on your craft than the actual story. Totally. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I know from my own personal experience that having that that uh, period of time where you go back and uh, and study craft composition style, you know, your plot and and, and and all those, you know, moving parts uh, really does help you dial in uh, either a second draft or or a full-on rewrite. I'm currently doing that right now with uh, with my first book because, well, I've only rewritten it twice, so I need to rewrite it again because that's just, it's never going to be right for me, apparently. <laughs> apparently, I'm just going to be going back to it year after year going, God, I really missed the boat on this one. I could have done it better. Let's, let's rewrite it. So, um, <laughs> well, that's a question, a I guess. Interesting topic. I have is like, when do you stop being embarrassed by your old writing? Never. <laughs> because even just on this one book, every time I learn something new, I just want to change everything. Like, does that ever stop? Well, I don't. I don't know. I mean, like for instance, uh, with with Nemeton, it's not that I would consider myself embarrassed of the work that I put in because I put in a you know five years on that book. Was it the best that it could be? No. But I'm still very proud of, of the work that I accomplished and, and doing so pretty much solo with the exception of, you know, a few developmental editors and some beta readers and, and then a final copy. What I find, especially with uh, certain ideas, if you have a certain idea that you're really in love with, it's one of those things kind of like, you know, maybe George Lucas-esque where you're like, <laughs> I'm never going to get this right. I want to keep going back and making it better because this is like my baby, Right. Uh, other things I can put aside and be like, yeah, I'm totally done with that. Happy with that. Don't need to go back there at all <laughs> and just move on. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I remember reading in Big Magic, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, where she talks about with her novel, The Signature of All Things, that there are totally things that she could have fixed. There are things that aren't perfect. There are a few plot holes. There are some characters who aren't as well developed as they should have been. But she kind of reached a point where she said, this is as good as this novel is meant to get. Mm-hmm. And if I work on it anymore, if I tinker with this one anymore, it's going to take something away from like the essence of it. Yeah. When do you know that you're done? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't really. I don't know. I look at my debut novel and it's like painful to read. <laughs> I hate that it's in past tense because it messed up a lot of stuff. I don't know. I, I feel like even once it's out there and even if you get good reviews, it's just like it doesn't ever feel done because I, I still feel like there's stuff I would change. Oh, don't tell me that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm done after every draft and then I get my feedback and I'm like, oh, you're right. I do need to do that. So so then that that begs the question in this case, you know, when do you when do you call it quits with your with your editor? Like when do you say, no, I'm I'm, I'm done with this one you know <laughs> oh <laughs> I don't know uh, my publisher just won't publish it unless, <laughs> unless unless they like it so I had this um book that's coming out when light shatters it comes out in August and they full-on rejected my third 
version of it, which was my third version I've written over the, like, a couple years. Completely different story. So I guess that was for me. I was like, well, I guess I have to rewrite it or something's actually wrong with the story. I don't know. I think I had this hard time where when I do write a story, I feel very much a part of that story. And then when I'm done with it, it's hard to get back into those characters mm-hmm. without it taking this huge emotional toll. Mm. I think like Becca, I have so much respect for you because I don't even know how you're doing this many rewrites. I think it would drive me crazy. But then <laughs> you probably won't look at your book like I look at my books and like, oh gosh, like I can't believe that line stayed in there. Why did I do that? Well, except that every draft, I still do feel like that every time I'm redoing right. it. <laughs> so like, what was I thinking? You guys are too hard on yourselves. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's like, uh, uh, you know, again, to bring back uh, George Lucas, who's definitely not the greatest writer, but uh, you know, he said with, with most pieces of art, they're never finished, they're abandoned. And at a certain point, you kind of have to put something aside. I mean, how many other stories, Becca, could you be telling at this point in time while you're while you're in rewrite phase, you know, X or Y? And and not to challenge you on on what you're doing, but um, like I think that's a, kind of a good thing to kind of think of is like when am I when am I going to get onto my next project? Because you know, writers as writers, we want to write more than one or two <laughs> in our lifetime. And so if you obsess over everyone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not going to get your, you're never going to, you know, write the, that one story that is just going to set you over the top with joy. You know, I think how many, how many books did you have to write or stories did you have to write before you finally found one that you were like, yes. And, you know, and maybe we're not even there yet. I know that I still got a lot left in the tank and I'm, I'm working on four different uh, books right now. And I'm like, you know, none of these are really all the way what I'm looking for, but uh, maybe the next one is. So I I think I tend to probably rush forward rather than, than uh, stay back. Chris, I think I'm more like you too. I guess I feel that way. Like, I just like after a while, I'm like, I can't look at this anymore. It's got to be good enough. And just like... Like you said, it's I abandon it. Right. I just obsess. I feel like I care so much about this story <laughs> that I need it to be as close to perfect. Then, then maybe this is your one. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. It's my... <laughs> I'm sure you have more. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I have another one. It's a good question that you asked because I do have this other story that's been nagging at me that I really want to write. And I'm like, I cannot... Kind of like Lainey was saying, if I jump around to something else, it's going to be really hard to go back to the one I'm working on. And so I can't fully jump into that, but I know that at some point I'm going to need, <laughs> I'm going to need to call it quits. My publisher is calling, the sh- is telling me when that's going to be for now. And I'm so, I'm in so deep at this point, like I'm committed to doing <laughs> whatever they say, well, absolutely, <laughs> whatever yeah. they say I need to do to get it as close to perfect as it can be. So it's amount of time spent on the rewrite that dictates when you're yeah, going to be done or not. You've crossed like a 75% <laughs> marker. And so now you got to stick it out until if, even if it lasts till the end of your day. <sighs> well, Becca, didn't you say to, with your first draft that you, you turned into your editor, the editor with what they came back with was so refining of your idea. Like you felt like they saw the story you wanted to tell and pulled it out of it. Totally. Yes. So my first draft I sent in 
was like kind of esoteric and I thought was very genius because, you know, it didn't explain everything and it was so deep. And my first editor read that and said, like, you have to explain things like you have to tell people what the story is, because that's what feels good for people to read if you actually want anybody to read and enjoy this. And he like really taught me how to do that. I'm really grateful for that. And so the first rewrite I did was like learning how to tell an actual story, which sounds ridiculous that that, mm. that I just learned that basically a year ago. Doesn't sound um, ridiculous. And so then the next draft was like honing my characters, um, adding more prose, or more poetic prose, really making my settings pop, and then getting a lot of the historical detail right. Um, I did that, I think, really well. And then the newest rewrite that I'm about to start is making my main character more interesting and (laughs) further adding like poetic, moving sensory detail. So every time I am doing a rewrite, I feel like I'm getting closer to the book that I was trying to make in the first place. I just didn't know how to actually do it. And so maybe the answer to your question, Chris, is when would I be done is when I is if I started feeling like I was moving further away from that rather than getting closer to it. That's a great point. I had a really good experience with my first uh, uh, rewrite of Nemeton. Um, My editor, the developmental editor, was super helpful, taught me so much more (laughs) than I could ever repay (laughs) because, you know, while I was passionate and 100 percent ready to tell a story. I just, I didn't have the functional pieces in there. In that case, I was like super eager to take every single thing and go and just run with it because I was like, wow, no, that's a great point. And that totally works with what I wanted to tell. So yay. Yeah. <laughs> so my my re- initial experience with that was super elating. I was just edified and, and ready to go. This time I, I kind of look at it and I go, wow, okay, this is going to be a monster to you know rewrite. And, and then, uh, you know, once I get into like outlining it and I, you know, started to breach that, that idea here of, of, of going and kind of breaking it apart, seeing what works and what doesn't. And now I'm kind of starting to feel the other end of that, which is like, am I, am I writing an entirely new book here or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's something else we wanted to talk about. When does a book become a totally different book? Yeah. Uh, Lainey, do you have any perspective on that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I mean, that definitely happened with my debut novel, Never Touch. It started in this with this one tone, with this one goal in mind, and it completely changed. But I think When Light Shatters was the one. I have three different books of it, three completely different stories. Well, three and a half, but yeah. So I, I felt like it was a different book, but I was so glad because the first two versions of it, those first two complete stories should never be sent out into the wild. They're just horrible. So what, what changed? Uh, if I, if I might ask a pointed question there, like what, what was there something structurally that changed? Was there characters that changed? Like what changed that made it an entirely different book for you? Um, so I don't know if this is like too personal, but I feel that each book reflects a different stage in my life and my willingness to be vulnerable on the page. Yes. So my first book, I was, very concerned about content. Like, could I use rated R content? Could I, you know, there were like a lot of things. And I think I didn't know what my characters wanted. Mm -hmm. And what, you know, basically how much of myself I was willing to put in that book, uh, which was not the case for Never Touch. I was very vulnerable in that one. And then so the second time around, I tried again, 
with One Light Shatters, I tried to write a different story, but then I think there was still a lack of willingness to be vulnerable. And the third one, I was just like, whatever, I'm just going to give it all I got. That's my best writing. And so I think that really shows the progression. And then of course, you know, I got, I had more practice by the time I wrote When Light Shatters the last time, I already had four books besides, you know, four published books like under my belt. So I think I had a better idea of, okay, you know, act structure, making sure my character wants a certain thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, what the theme should be, what like kind of messages I wanted to get across. So I think that that's really what changed was this willingness to be vulnerable as well as, you know, better execution of my craft. Totally. So it wasn't the story that changed, really. It was you oh, it that did. changed. The story, like, there are, like, <laughs> a few elements that have stayed since I was 14 years old that I really, that it's funny, like, what I ended up saying. But, yeah, so the, the characters changed. There are, like, a few, mm-hmm. like, the only element that's really stayed is that this girl's parents died in a fire. Okay. Um, that's, the, like, the only element, really, that is con- that's interesting. And I, I like that idea that, you know, however many rewrites you go through, you've also changed throughout this process. And therefore that informs the the writing process in general. It's, it's so interesting. I'm, I'm sitting over here with like a light bulb going off. God, how much did I change in between drafts? <laughs> you know? Writing can really show your growth as a person. And I think that's, this has been mm-hmm. kind of a way that I've seen how, you know, just how I've grown as a person and as a writer, seeing these different rewrites. And I never want to go back and reread the first two because they were terrible. <laughs> Not never, but I can't do it right now. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, ah, I can't believe I wrote that. It's horrible. It's so interesting. Like, it makes me think, what is the core of a story? Like, what is the heart of any given piece? If everything changes, it's almost like, <laughs> this is a funny example, but you know how every cell in your body rejuvenates over like seven years or whatever and like what makes you still be you (laughs) or or whatever (laughs) question like what makes a story still be itself if like everything has changed and I wonder that with my own story the heart of mine is a woman struggling with whether California or West Virginia is her home and basically everything else has changed so yeah it's your theme it's your theme that shouldn't change throughout the that entirety Yeah, I think it's partly the theme. And what I think about writing is it's all about a feeling you want someone to walk away with Mm because you're taking Mm -hmm. these black and white words on a page and you're painting something very colorful and very emotional for someone that they can't describe in words. And so I think that that for me, at least when I go through rewrites, I take that feeling I want in my reader or at least that feeling I need to get out of me. And that's what I, and I feel like it's not done until that message is across, that emotion's across. Um, so like Becca, your concept of, of home, that theme of belonging, you know, that, that stayed consistent through your rewrites. That totally makes sense to me. Definitely. Can we talk a little bit about the emotions um, that we experience working with editors? <laughs> <laughs> So Chris kind of touched on this. Um, He said that like he's been really excited and motivated when he's gotten his letters from developmental editors. And I've actually felt really similarly. And I've been really surprised every time. Every time I send it off, I like I'm laughing, but I'm actually it's like really hard on my mental health. (laughs) I'm like not like actually not in a good place until I hear back from them. Just going back and reading it and trying to read it through their eyes and seeing it as 
so immature and, oh, they're going to hate it. They're going to want me to totally change this and this and this. But then every time I've actually gotten a letter, even though they have been really intense and have wanted me to change a lot, I've been like, yes, like I'm so excited to make this better. And part of that is because my editors have been so good about giving suggestions that I know are going to get me more to the heart of what I want to say. But both of those feelings are so real, like that excitement to make it better, but also that like the fear. And then the time I had a really hard time with was I was before I jumped into a total rewrite, the editor wanted me to just like get a chapter where he wanted it to be so that he knew that I was going in the direction that he wanted me to. And I felt like I worked on this chapter so hard. Like he wanted me to make the pose poetic. I read this essay called um, The Sentence is a a Lonely Place. It's all about like writing at a word by word level and making the sounds of the words even feel the way that the feeling of your piece is supposed. And I, I felt like I did a really good job. And then he was like, well, not quite. And I just, it was, oh, <laughs> it was really tough. Um, it can, it can just be really real hard emotions all over the spectrum with this whole process. And as writers, I know that we kind of make light of it and we're like, Wow, edits, rewrites. I'm so neurotic. I'm a writer, but it can like actually be really difficult. We're we're not laughing at your pain. We're laughing with your pain. I know. I know. It's like a little embarrassing how accurate that is. So maybe if Lainey, do you want to share some of your emotions going through going through this process? Well, I think you guys both just sound so much more mature than I do because (laughs) I. So like when I get stuff back from my beta readers, I think I do okay. Except for one was basically like, this whole story is terrible. And she was right. She was right. I had to throw it out. And then it eventually became the book that's getting published. But um, I get really defensive and scared. And then, but then I do get that excitement that you're talking about. Uh, so for instance, my publisher was like, okay, so you need to add this character from this other book into your current work in progress, just a cameo. And I was like, that would never work. And then I got this like so excited because I thought of the perfect idea of how to fit her in. And then when I had that, it made the story so much better. So I think there's a lot of that. Well, how do you know? This is my story. Are you a writer? Like, like, how dare you tell me? And then also like, of course they know. Like you can't really, you can only edit your own stuff so much because you're too close Mm -hmm. to it. And you know how the story is going to be. So I think that, like Becca said, it's not good on your mental health at all. It's like all this anxiety. But I mean, I guess it's exciting when you start to know where to go. But I don't like just having a problem and feeling like I can't solve it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like getting something back from an editor feels that way. It's like, here are all your problems. Figure it out. Like At the same time, Neil Gaiman says that when somebody says that something is wrong with your writing or not working with your writing they're almost always right. When they try to tell you how to fix it, they're almost always wrong. Absolutely. So in a way, it's oh. kind of nice when editors say like, this isn't working for me and don't tell you specifically what to do. But it is, <laughs> there is also a part of me that's like, just tell me what to write. Like, just tell me what to do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because I'll have beta readers say, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? And that's unhelpful, but they, you're right. They always find the problem. Mm-hmm that I have to fit. Well, and I think the, uh, you know, what we're dealing with here, we are emotional creatures. Um, I I tend to call writers fickle, fickle beasts. (laughs) Um, But uh, 
that that defensive feeling is is a byproduct of being very vulnerable. You're sharing something that you've spent right. a ton of time on. Uh, you've put a bunch of heart and soul and blood, sweat, and tears into, and when it isn't received well, we're automatically going to be defensive. So one of the things that we have to develop right away is not just a thick skin but just like emotional intelligence and, and how to handle ourselves in those situations. You know, these people who are beta reading for you aren't doing it, you know, just to hurt your feelings. Uh, they, they spent the time to read your crappy novel, right? <laughs> and, and, and they're giving you some advice. So you got to kind of go, all right, that sucks. It stings. It really sucks. Now, what can I do with it? Right. Um, and, and, and also, you know, you have to stand, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer and you have to stand your ground in the cases where somebody does say, Hey, you know what, this really sucks. You need to change this, this, and this, cause it doesn't follow X, Y, Z. And that's the way that all stories go. Okay. Well, who the, who the hell are you to tell me that? Um, I'll take what you have to say and I'll put it in a, you know, in a different perspective and see how can I make this better? Um, and that should be your, your ultimate goal is how do I make this better? Um, because we never write it right the first time or the second, or the third, <laughs> sometimes even the fourth. But how we how we take that uh, feedback is is one of the most important skills that, that any writer can have because um, without somebody else's perspective, it's like you said, Lainey, we're all, we're all way too close to it to see it. And um, right. it, it's a balancing act. You, you've got you've to gotta stick to your guns this point and then, uh, and then, and then let things go uh, at another point. So I guess that kind of brings us to another question. Like when is it that you, you stick to your guns? Uh, when, when your editor comes back to you and says, no, you know, it's gotta be this way. And, and, you know, maybe that alters your story in some way at it, at its core. What, what, do, what do you do? That's such a good question. I think for me, I had an editor say she was changing things that my character was saying and it was completely out of the character's voice. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that my character wasn't coming across as clearly as I thought and I needed to make adjustments, but just not in the direction that she wanted me to go. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's a good point because an editor, uh, you know, has a certain function and often I, I've heard horror stories where, where the editor tries to become the author. Um, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, an, an analogy would be in sports when the official or referee tries to, you know, job the game. Um, and, and as writers, especially in the indie world, you know, you may be paying somebody or you may be part of, you know, an in-house publishing team or, or whatnot. You should be very cautious about who you work with, because you need to know that they have your best uh, interest in, in, at heart. Um, because oftentimes, you know, that, that relationship can go sideways and you can have somebody try to write your book for you. I, I didn't experience that with mine. Mine was like, look, dude, it's your book. I'm just going to tell you what I have to say. I'm not going to tell you how to write it. You can take what I say or you can leave it. And I, I valued that relationship because that was, that was built on integrity and trust. He was upfront right from the beginning. He said, this is, this is it. And, you know, never once did he tell me, no, you, you should really change, you know, something minute, like a, like a character's voice. Uh, but you know, I, I've, I don't know. My experience is a little different. <laughs> well, also like, it just makes me think how scary it must be to be an editor also. Like oh, yeah. you're telling people that this thing that they worked so hard on needs to change in this way, this way, this way. I know that in this most recent letter that I got, well, I 
think that the editor was a little bit nervous to tell me that my main character was boring (laughs) because she knew that it was based on me. (laughs) And she was like, I know this is going to be really hard to hear. (laughs) And it actually was fine because I had kind of thought like, (laughs) I don't know if, I don't know if this character is interesting to anybody else, or I don't know if I conveyed this, but she was super like careful about how she said it and explained, well, when sometimes when authors base characters on themselves, uh, it can be hard to get them to come across as like interesting or as with as much agency as you intend, because you're so in that character's head. So she framed it really well, but I could tell that she was like, kind of nervous that I was going to take it as like, you're a boring person. Um, (laughs) And I didn't, but I can imagine that that could be that kind of thing could be really scary when you're giving that kind of feedback, and you know that something is so close to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that makes total sense. I think the other thing is because when light shatters this this book, I've written so many times, the character is based on me as well. And I think it's like also a level of vulnerability because I think we're all really interesting at our core, but if we're filtering the character because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, for whatever reason, we're being protective of ourselves. I think that can have a big effect on it. Cause Becca, like you're obviously not boring, but <laughs> if, if you're subconsciously you know, filtering what you're writing about this character, I think that can have a huge effect on it. Well, yeah. I mean, naturally one of the, the first people that we're dishonest with is ourself. So uh, it can be, Mm -hmm. it can be very dicey if you're, you're basing a character off yourself because you're going to portray it, you know, either on one end of the spectrum or the other. It's usually not what's, what's perceived by other people. You know, it could be your, your best self or your worst self, but it's not necessarily the one that everybody else is, is seeing. You know, we we have a totally different perspective on who we are versus who other people near us tend to tend to think we are. Right. And it's so interesting because they tell us so much as writers, you hear it everywhere, write what you know. And it feels like the easiest thing to write is is to write something based on yourself. But then when you try to put that into an actual story with structure, it can be one of the hardest things to do. So sometimes I feel like that's a big part of the process of rewriting is taking the so you write it like as real and as honest as you can and then you have to like find the heart of that and turn it into a story Mm -hmm. at least that's been a big part of the process for me well it it speaks to the fact that there I, i guess i shouldn't say that it's a fact it's one of my opinions i don't think that a great many people know themselves as intimately as say they would know a character that they've created, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's just it's just a part of the human experience. We don't know ourselves as well as we should, and those that do tend to be very empowered individuals. Um, and and as a writer, we all know that we're very flawed, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why we feel like we can play God and create characters that have these flaws that are very similar to us. Yeah, right. Should we talk about how to stay motivated? Yes. Through this whole long process. Did you I guess that's another question. Did you guys realize before you were serious about your writing how intense the editing process was? Because I definitely did not. No. <laughs> I did not. No. <laughs> no, and each time it still amazes me. But um <laughs> and that every good book has been through this kind of thing. It's amazing. It, it is. It's horrible. But I mean, it's worth it. But it's like the, the editing process, I feel is like just the hardest. Yeah. And, and staying motivated is is a difficult task when writing. Uh, I think that editing changes it into an entirely different monster. Um, 
is so tedious. And I'm not talking about I'm talking about like some of the stuff that you go through, you know, before developmental editing and, and, and you know, the, the basic word to word. Like, I can't even imagine just doing copy editing for work. I would I would just probably hurt myself. <laughs> like, I, I couldn't go line by line like that. Um, and I'm so thankful that there's so many apps that can help you look not quite as dumb as you might see before you send it off to somebody. <laughs> and, and for me, it's always like, I'm just not paying attention. Whenever, whenever I make a mistake like that, I'm either moving too fast or not paying attention uh, when it comes to, when it comes to editing. And then I end up getting look, looking like my foot stuck in my mouth when I uh, send something off. So much of the advice online for writers is just about like, just get it out there. Like it doesn't matter if it's good. It's, so, it's all about getting that first draft out there. And because of NaNoWriMo, and it's great that there's so much advice and encouragement like that out there. But I found myself when I was starting the first developmental edit process, Googling, <laughs> it sounds the, the dumbest thing, like, like support for edit or like motivation for editing or is editing this hard for everyone? <laughs> like there, <laughs> there is not as much out there that shows people that they're not alone at this part of the process. No, And, and I, so if you're listening to this, you are not alone. It is this hard for everybody. <laughs> you will get through it. Yeah. Well, I think the advent of self-publishing has shifted a lot of the industry in that regard. Um, Rebecca, you're going through something that's particularly, uh, you know, closer to a traditional model. In that case, you, you're going through a much more rigorous uh, editing phase than, say, I did when I self-published mine, my first one. You bring up a really good point. It, it shouldn't be a race to getting your first uh, book out there because, you know, while that can be a, a motivational uh, boost for yourself to maybe go continue and start writing instead of, like, hit an editing wall and go, I don't even know if I want to write anymore you know, you run the risk of, of putting uh, something out there that, that tarnishes your, your name. And then you have to change to another pin name. And, you know, it could just... <laughs> I think what's helped me is having a good group of beta readers who can see what I'm trying to do and just keep, like, encouraging me to keep going. Mm. The other one is just, I think so with my debut, Never Touch, I was so in love with Sawyer. And I wanted other people to meet her. And that just kept me going. It's like, it has to be good enough for other people to meet her and understand her. And now I have a very shallow motivation, which is the cover. Like, <laughs> I want to see a cover <laughs> in my book. And so I'm like, must get it done. Do it for the cover. And it's like, it's so shallow. But it's that's like a little carrot I have to dangle for myself to just get there. I bribe myself too. I'm like, okay, if you get through this chapter, you can go get some coffee. If you get to this, you can get a pin. <laughs> I'm like a little kid. <laughs> well, I think that's a good point too about, you know, just about beta readers in general. They can be a huge uh, ally in the process. Definitely. Um, because if, uh, you know, my process is before I, you know, do any like heavy developmental editing is just have some betas read it right away. And, and if you find a good beta reader who jives with you and who, uh, kind of understands what you're going for, hang on to that person. They're so valuable because then you don't get yourself into quite as much uh, uh, of a, a sticky situation with rewrites because you've gotten a bunch of feedback before you've uh, taken that road, if you will. So, you you know, you get so much valuable intelligence from, uh, from them. So that's, that's yeah. my note. Hang on to them. 
<laughs> my beta reader. I don't even know if I could call them beta readers when I thought my book was genius before, <laughs> before I was even on this road. And I gave it to like my mom and my sister and my best friend. And, you know, so they all loved it and just told me, you are a genius. And so definitely go for the honest, <laughs> the, who, the honest people who, I mean, they should love you, but not that much, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And if you pay for you, I have a friend who totally crushed my dreams mm-hmm. and I'm so grateful for her because I know she's my best beta reader because she will tell me this is terrible or I, I just always can trust her feedback. So I think it's just, you got to find someone who's got that personality. So I also have blogger reviewers that will beta read for me and they are amazing. They read so much. They read in my genre mm. um, and they're used to being honest. So that helps a lot too. Yeah, that is important. Um, I tend to just find somebody who works or, or gets paid either in like an editorial role or something like that to start reading it. Somebody who doesn't know me, isn't familiar with the story, uh, you know, unless I've worked with them in the past. Uh, somebody who's not going to just tell me, yeah, it was so good. Well, thanks for reading it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, you don't have to rely on uh, friends and family. Uh, if you're out there listening, uh, take the leap, maybe pay somebody 25, 50 bucks to read your book and, 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 and try and find somebody who's, you know, maybe done this before. Uh, and that can be a huge help. That being said, I do think it's important to have one beta reader who, you know, is just super affirming because that will get Mm. you through. Yes. Yes would read my kind of like what you were saying, Becca, about how everyone's like, you're a genius. This is perfect. Had I not had her, I would not be a writer. Like I really, (laughs) because I would take anything critical, but she, I think she could really hold on to the fact that, okay, this is a rough draft and she liked seeing it evolve. That is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to have people who are critical, but if you, you got to have a cheerleader too. A healthy mix. And a little plug, I guess. (laughs) Writing block is an awesome place for both of those things. Writing block is, has been so amazing for meeting people who are at all stages of the process and are so encouraging and will tell you, this is normal. All of the things you're doing and all of the things you're feeling It's been awesome Mm. for finding people who will read your book and be cheerleaders and Mm. honest. Um, It's just an amazing support and resource. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy that we have (laughs) us. And we're hoping going forward that we're going to have like a more officially way, a more official way to exchange beta reading. So stay tuned. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Should we maybe give some advice to people? Uh, sure. It may not be helpful, but. <laughs> so, um, was that a drum? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the like joke. A, okay. <laughs> We've also got. I thought I heard it. We've got dramatic piano. For if something <laughs> sad. Like and, then, and then if we're, char- if we're charging ahead, we've got. Advice time. <laughs> nice. All right, Becca, what advice do you have? Advice time. <laughs> Yes. Okay. That is really exciting. My advice is be really open, but also, I guess, really know what the heart of your story is so that you know when to stand firm. I was thinking of an example when we were talking before. So I'm generally very eager to please. I guess that's one of my character flaws is I'm like, yep, I'll do whatever you want. I'm like a little puppy (laughs) wagging my tail. But (laughs) at some point, the editor said, like, let's see what this looks like without the pregnancy. And it made me realize, like, oh, that's actually a really important part of the story. Uh, 
Like, how does impending parenthood affect our connections to home? And I was so thankful for that feedback because it um, because it made me realize that that was an important part of the story. And I actually expanded it. There, if there was something I needed to stand firm on, that was it. And I did it. So figure out what what you're willing to compromise on, but be open about everything else. Mm. <laughs> just remember, like, I'm really just thinking it's going to feel so good to hold my book in my hands and to have people that I know and people that I don't know reading my book and have people connect to my book. And I feel like every minute that I'm putting into it now, I'm going to feel that when I hold the book. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And and it does feel that way. Yeah. So like the more I'm working on it now, the more committed to it I am. Like I'm going to know that forever when I have that book. This is, you know, it's taking me the two years or whatever. That's nothing like when I'm going to look back 20 years from now and still be holding that book, but I'll be happy that I spent that time. So know that it's normal to have like an actual really difficult time with the emotions and also with the actual rewrites. Be open, also be clear with what you want your book to be and just think about how good it's going to feel when you're holding your finished product. All right. Lainey, what do you got? So I think that if a story is worth telling, it's not going to leave you alone. Mm. So I think with rewrites, I think there's this, this urge to get it perfect and to not walk away. And I think that sometimes with rewriting, you have to walk away for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, you know, this story that I've been working on that's been nagging me for 12 years it never like I'm it's finally the version it's supposed to be. And I had to walk away. I had to write other books. I had to forget about it. I had to give up on it. Um, but it was worth telling. So I think that that's something that kind of perfectionism, you kind of have to let that go to, to do rewrites. Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. That kind of tails like into how, uh, how I kind of see the process. And there's, there's a great amount of fear, uh, in the process that, that you're dealing with. And it's, it's fear of, of, did I waste my time? Well, the answer is you didn't, uh, as long as you keep uh, pushing through, you didn't waste your time. So that, that fear is, is, is on the lower end of valid, (laughs) uh, take that fear and set it aside. Fear doesn't have to be an enemy. It can be a teacher at the same time. So, Uh, When you start feeling that, you know, you're going through these rewrites and you're like, am I wasting my time? Am I any good at this? And you start doubting yourself. You know what? You spent the time to put something together to get it to this stage. And that's not something that very many people can do. In fact, you should applaud yourself just for getting to that stage and know that if you continue down this road and you keep pushing uh, for for what that theme is, that message that just won't leave you alone uh, whatsoever, if you keep uh, aiming for that, you you can't miss. So uh, rewrites are all about being fearless, you know, looking fear in the face and saying, "Look, I'm going to get this done by hook or by crook," and 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 that's that's it, and that's final. And and I think that if you stand uh, in your own power, then then a lot of the things that could affect you during a rewrite. Uh, that that could send you into an emotional tailspin are are going to have to work a lot harder uh, to get you into that tailspin. So um, just know that you're doing it for a reason. If you're a writer out there that's struggling with you, you're not alone. Come visit us at Writing Block, and maybe some of us will have some ideas that can uh, 
can help you out. Chris, I feel like your life coaching skills come out in every episode of this podcast. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I try to include them, you know, I even went and started working on that project that you said I should work on. Yes. And I think it's going to be part of this course that I'm putting together. Awesome. There are such exciting things to come from writing block. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, Lainey Wild, for being with us today. This was awesome. Do you want to tell people, of course, do you want to tell people where they can find your book? Sure. Well, my books are pretty much everywhere. Um, but if you want, you can just go to laneywild.com um, and you can find all my books there. But I mean, they're on Amazon, iBooks, Nook, you know, pretty much everywhere. Maybe in your local bookstore. Maybe. <laughs> it's possible. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, Laney. It was, a, it was a pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Writing Block Podcast. Our series will continue featuring interviews with authors and more detailed discussion aimed toward helping all indie authors navigate the difficult roads of the publishing industry. We hope you join us at our website, writingblock.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, find a copy of our short story anthology, Escape, and read detailed articles about the indie author experience. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Writing Block No K. Thank you for listening and happy writing.